As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The Rolls Royce of Boilers, a rare venture into Ray Hudson's world. The first and last edition of the Gary Weaver Challenge. Premier League centre-backs being name-checked on Frazier 29 years before they arrived. A match of the day commentator bites back at the cliché's pod. A classy touch from Alan Kerbishley. The who wants to be a millionaire scandal you hadn't heard about. The state of North Korean football journalism and Eric Ten Hag reaches a very important milestone at Manchester United. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 234 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is Charlie Eccleshare. How is it going? It's going well, Adam. How about you? Pretty good, actually. Delighted also to be joined by David Walker. As always, how's it going? Very well. Excellent. We're all set then. Um, do you know what? This first item, I didn't deem to be worthy of adjudication panel status, so let's do it first. Really, I don't know what, where we're supposed to go with this. I don't know where anybody is supposed to go with this, but Bolton Wanderers have announced their new stadium naming rights deal with Bolton-based building product manufacturer Tough Sheet. From the 1st of July, the stadium will be renamed the Tough Sheet Community Stadium. Dave, there's only one There's only one joke that anybody can make about this. And isn't Jeff Stelling going to relish that opportunity? Mm. Mm. First time he gets to throw to someone at the Tough Sheet Stadium. It's, it's either one of two things. They're either, they've either done it. They've ever called that company that for that reason because they find it funny and it's maybe a way of people remembering them. Or they sort of did it without thinking but stuck with it and are just sick of people making the joke. I actually hope it's the latter, Charlie, because name your, naming your company like that is something that should only be done by a business that has the scale of like one bloke and a van. Like, <laughs> and then people drive past going, oh, that, that, that is good. <laughs> nice. That's it. You can't have yeah. a company of any scale, certainly not one that's that could conceivably sponsor a club the size of Bolton. Um, so you think maybe just their success ran away with them and they thought this is never going to be, we're never going to have to worry about it. And yeah, then it was just, yeah. it just caught fire for whatever reason. Or they were like, it's just a really great name. We don't, and we want to go with that. And even if that people find that titillating and amusing, that's up to them. Uh, overall though, Dave, it's just such a fall from grace. The Reebok, good old no. Reebok. The Reebok. It's had, it's had a few, isn't it, <laughs> since? It was the Macron for a while. It yeah. was the University of Bolton yeah. Stadium. I mean, I think in general, EFL stadium names are just have are so far through the looking glass. 
It is a complete and utter wild west if you go down through them. Like almost every single stadium, certainly, even it feels like the the lower you go, the more actually, the more it. Yeah. I, I don't know what that what it is. Maybe the, maybe the champion top championship clubs to retain and still retain a sense of prestige. Yeah, it's mad if you because when you watch Soccer Saturday because they have to play by the rules. Mm. They can't they can't call it what it's colloquially known as. Mm. It, it takes you a little while sometimes to work out where they are. I remember, yeah, reeling a few years ago from Pride Park having been renamed mm. the iPro. I don't know if it's yeah. still the iPro. Don't that, think so. That really think I mean, in in a way, with sponsors, it's surprising it doesn't happen more often, given the sort of fleeting success of a lot of companies. But I can't think at Premier League level of a current Premier League stadium. I know the Reebok was, but I can't think of a Premier League stadium the sponsor chain like you think like the Emirates the Etihad Vitality but they but they didn't change name they haven't oh, gone to a different sponsor oh, right. have they yeah like, yeah that's that's it's too bob isn't it yeah I mean, it's I mean, very almost literally too bob because it's obviously just, it's the easiest little bit of money that a club mm. can get which is just to sell off the naming rights no skin off anybody's nose but um, yeah okay uh, everyone else is going to have fun with it and I thought we should join in too but it's time for the official adjudication panel um, quick one for you though AJ writes in Dave, uh, my dad had a new boiler fitted in and the engineer who installed it said it was the Rolls-Royce of boilers. This is a really good, solid Rolls-Royce-ing <laughs> and particularly, you're going to feel reassured. This is this is the one thing in your life you want to mm. be like a Rolls-Royce other than a Rolls-Royce. You, you want some quality engineering involved, mm. don't you? Yeah, right. you want it to purr. Well, this is it. This is, it's more like the, uh, Dave going very literal. He's, he's talking about the uh, actual structure of the boiler. But Charlie, when you fire, you know, when you turn that thermostat, mm. you just... And, Give it a couple of seconds and you wait for the boiler to fire up. That's a, that is a potentially Rolls-Royce moment. Yeah, Like a midfielder moving through the gears. That, that is a lovely feeling. Yeah. There's always that slight, you think, oh, if this doesn't work, it's be extremely annoying. Mm. And it does. And to have that trust, like with the Rolls-Royce, yeah, that must be lovely. And it, a boiler would work quite nicely as well. If you, you could put a little figurine on top of the boiler as well, like you have on the... On the bonnet the of logo. the Rolls Royce, yeah, you know, like their little thing on the at mm. the front of the car. It's like a little statuette. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It could be. Now I think about it. Bellingham, who is Jude Bellingham, Bellingham. who is the current leader of Rolls Royce midfielders in the world. Bellingham could be a boiler manufacturer. Yeah, I've just got a new one. What would you get? I've got Bellingham. They, Bellingham. they are yeah. they are very reliable. The Bellingham. <laughs> well, especially range. wasn't that was the uh, Ray Winston Bellingham sort of. Uh, I can imagine that said in it. That gives it a bit more, bit more weight. Yeah, he'd be doing an advert for boilers. Yeah, he could be doing that. Like back in the day, he could have done a radio ad for Bellingham. Next up, uh, I'm pretty sure that we've resisted for 233 episodes the temptation to delve into the world of Ray Hudson, the um, mm. co-commentator across the pond. He does feature in my book. Yeah, yes, we had we hadn't spoken about him because oh, I, I was I was sort of unaware. This does that. jog my memory. Maybe we have done Ray Hudson before, but this is this is a glancing, uh, fleeting visit to Ray Hudson world. This came from Jem Basata, who was watching Dortmund versus Chelsea on CBS, I believe. Play this clip. This is uh, Jao Felix just just curling a shot just over the bar. Now there'll be a there'll be a point of this clip where you think that's where it's going, but trust me, there's more. A wonderful gift from himself. Started out nicely, gets it pulled back. He's got time. He's got space, and usually you could. Put your beating heart on him, <laughs> hitting this where the spiders live, in that top corner. But you'd be dead. Incredible comic timing at the end there. You, you couldn't do it better. You really That's couldn't. brilliant. I mean, yeah, listeners should check him out. This guy, like some of his messy work in particular, he, he's obsessed with messy, as many are. And he, if you, if you think Drury can be a bit OTT, Hudson is like Drury on steroids. I mean, he is just like absolutely going for it. Absolutely. That's why we've never really done him before, right? I think he's one of the most suggested... I always see people suggesting Ray Hudson stuff, but it's like... What, what can, can you, you, what add can to you do that? with yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It transcends cliches. I mean, the, mm. it's, it, I mean, I know we, we delve outside of our remit quite a lot, Dave, but uh, Ray Hudson, just, it, he's unpoliceable, I think, and that's probably quite right. He is, but also he's sort of... Because he's in the States... He kind of will probably get discovered randomly now and again, mm. as if people and people will think, "Oh, this bloke, have, are you not aware of this guy?" And you know, he's just been doing. He's got his own sort of shtick that he's been doing for a long time. Yeah, and it, and it's as we've just heard, it's it's great. Like he does it very well. But <laughs> you'd be dead. That's amazing. <laughs> you'd be dead. Um, more straightforward affair for us now. This came from Ben Mouncer, Norwich City. Little little match update uh, as they were. Uh, playing Wigan, I believe, at the weekend. Uh, wonderful play along the end line 
from O'Neill Hernandez, but the cross doesn't find a City player. What possible justification, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dave, could there be for using the word end line? Maybe they just didn't. I mean, there aren't that many. Ex- there aren't many sort of mainstream words that you, that you can immediately call upon here. Byline just feels weird to me. But byline's okay. I mean, that's what you want. But end line's absurd. You can't say goal line. Yeah, I mean, goal line is a tricky one because I know because mm. in theory mm. the goal line can extend past the post and you can use it, but then it becomes quite confusing. Yeah, that's right. deceptive, isn't it? Yeah. To use that end line, awful. Did it on that note? I heard Glenn Murray on the radio talk, and he did it because the first time he did it, I thought, have I misheard there? But he did it again. He described goal kicks as by kicks. Have you ever heard that before? Some people have pointed this out. Yeah, I was like, am I? Is this what? a thing? That's yeah, very like kicks. 1940s, isn't it? Yeah, it was bizarre. And I, as I say, the first time I genuinely thought, oh, I must have misheard that. And then he did it again. He's like, yeah, from, you know, taking the time at buy kicks and this sort of thing. Is it a regional thing? I don't think it will be. It just seems old fashioned. But why would he then use it, Dave? It doesn't feel like a regional thing at all. I don't even understand it. What's the... I guess like, yeah, because it's not even from the byline, is it? A goal kick. It's A goal mm. kick is further forward than that. Yeah. It's really weird. But um, I, yeah, I'd be curious to know if it's just a Glenn Murrayism or whether... <laughs> As you say, Adam, it's an old school thing or regional thing. I don't like it. And uh, a bike kick. It, it, yeah, what a roundabout way of going about talking about goal kicks. Anyway, no, uh, no for my sins corner this week. I've got something much more exciting for you because we haven't talked about Gary Weaver for a while, have we? Mm-hmm. It's gone off our radar a little bit, and uh, I miss, I miss yeah. Gary Weaver. So I put together this from his recent output. Three levels for you to to play. I'm going to play you three clips. I want you to shout out when you think he's going to say soil. <laughs> when will Gary Weaver refer to somebody's home or away soil? This is a big moment. Gary Weaver's getting his own corner, mm. is he? Quite right, too. Okay. Um, level one, this is Sheffield United versus Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough taking the lead at Bramall Lane. So it's, it's soil. Soil's the word you're looking for. And then it's Archer! So just some just some entry level weaver there for you to enjoy, but yeah, no, no soiling. Soil. No soil. Okay. <laughs> no soiling. Right. Let's move on to. You throw you thrown a dummy in on the first one. <laughs> that is getting in our heads early. You're setting the tone there. Mm. I thought you were all just keeping your powder dry because because I already outlined that it was three levels. I don't know. Um, let's go to level two of weaver weaver watch. And are we still looking for soil? You of course you are. Yeah. It's a big night on a night in the Steel City. When nerves of steel were needed, Middlesbrough have held their nerve. There's still so much to do, but they tap Sheffield United on the shoulder and say, <laughs> we are in this fight. Bramall Lane has fallen. <laughs> that, that is just a great, great clip. I'll tell you what, um, I mean, this isn't necessarily exclusive to Weaver, Charlie, uh, as, as, as increasingly Weavery as that clip became. Uh, the bit at the start where he moved, it was quite sort of Tyler-esque move from one concept to another, but while still referring to the one before. Let's hear it again, so we just can understand what I'm talking about. It's a big night. On nice. a night in nice. the Steel City. Steel City. When nerves of steel were needed, Middlesbrough have held their nerve. Held their nerve. There's still so much to do, but they tap Sheffield United on the shoulder and say, we are in this fight. Bramall I quite like that as well, because as he's commentating over the footage, Michael Carrick literally taps Tap United <laughs> on the shoulder as he says it. <laughs> Which oh, is well, more grey, arguably, than Tyler, that sort of imagined yeah. conversation going on. That's incredible. Bramall Lane has fallen. I mean, we yeah. know he loves this kind of military language but that is so brilliantly absurd that's the uh, that's the um, third film in that awful trilogy with Channing Tatum or something <laughs> trying to say Bramall Lane Bramall Lane has been stormed someone has kidnapped Billy Sharp <laughs> right um, right you're still in the game it's level three it's remained fire Soil. Soil. Ah. <laughs> yes. 
It's, the, the best thing about this, and perhaps the old reason that I engineered this entire uh, one-off Gary Weaver corner, is that he just chucked <laughs> it in at the end there. It's just almost like he'd forgotten to say it. It's like, ah, the <laughs> corner. Soil. Their um, castle. Fantastic. I mean, this, uh, and this is a departure, isn't it? Because this is a home team scoring. And he's talking more about the sort of defence element. Normally, he is more interested in the storming of the planting the flag on enemy turf. Whereas this is kind of defending your own fortress. It's um, it's about as Gary Weaver as you could get, Dave, without actually uttering the immortal words of planting the flag. What a great showcase. I'm so glad he's bounced back and he's back in top form. Back to winning ways. Back to weavering ways. Has, <laughs> has he ever done a planting flag on their own soil? Or have they all been on enemy turf? All been away, yeah. away plantings. This uh, this is just this is just amazing. I I mean I don't. You know, we've talked before, Charlie, about random Premier League players' names who pop up in pop songs, tenuously or otherwise. Uh, this is a whole new level. Adam Herdman was watching season two, episode three of Frasier, in which the man himself enlists the help of Roz to find Daphne a date. So I'm guessing, what is this? Early nineties? Early nineties, it would be. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's just wonderful. Let's just hear it. <laughs> Spin Bachman, he's an aerobics instructor. I don't think so. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> Why is it so funny? Oh, that is amazing. I mean, on, uh, that's just so bizarre on so many levels. Let's rinse as much enjoyment as we can out of that before the uh, internet pedants, the Frasier heads, mm. the, uh, the script Googlers write in and confirm that it is, in fact... Sven Bachman, but I don't care. Doesn't matter. Because the way it was uh, delivered, well, nobody will yeah. ever know. Uh, Sven Bachman, star of Frasier, season two. I will have seen three. that at some point and heard that and never, obviously, you know, years before would have registered. The crowning glory of this was the, the original original clip that Adam Herdman tweeted. Um, he was watching season two, episode three of Frasier on a, like a wall projector. What a cool way to watch wow. Frasier. <laughs> On the, on the Channel 4 reruns? or I, d- I don't know, maybe add it on DVD. On DVD. Who, knows? Who knows? Great um, show, I mean. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Great stuff, though, really enjoyed it. Um, as did I this. This came from Franny, who was watching uh, Love Island last week, and uh, his question here is, is this a recoupling, or is he just signed for a struggling Prem side? How are you feeling right now? To be honest, like, just excited to be here. And obviously, this, the work starts now, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Time for talking's over. Yeah, just looking forward now, to get started. Yeah, now, now, li- now listen. Now listen. I'm just here to focus yeah. on doing bits. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, the grafting starts here. Brilliant. In what is now a weekly occurrence on the Football Clichés podcast, we must take issue with a claim made by Danny Baker, who has fervently disagreed with the BBC headline Celtic stay nine points clear with Aberdeen rout after Celtic beat Aberdeen 4-0. Baker says, Charlie, 4-0 is not a rout. Routes begin at 6-0. Pay attention, teenage headline writers. This stuff is important. Wow. I disagree. Yeah, I think rout could be four. I mean, 5-1 feels like more of a rout than 4-0. I would say that. But I think 4-0... I remember so vividly the first time I ever heard that word, mm. route, in commentary. And then I think it was going from about 4-5 to five, or maybe 5-6. to six, And it was something like, it's not just a route, it's a massacre now. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Which was sort of explaining that differential. Uh, I th- yeah, I think, Matt, I think route's okay for 4-0. And yeah, I think it is borderline. 5 nil certainly safe, Dave. 5 nil's definitely a route. Yeah. But I think, I think you're right, Charlie, to reference it like that. Because I think often you do... You you would hear route at the moment of transition mm. from one thing to another. Yes. It's not. It's oh, this is this is a route. route. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's very much used as a kind of um, linking term from one goal to another. It's a route now. It's become mm. a route. Or and could it be? Could it be also like if you're three nil down early on? This is in danger of becoming a route. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that, that you could argue that there's a certain conditions in which that fourth goal goes in for it to become a route. I mean, it can be too early, too late. And if it's scored in like injury time, Charlie, to round things off, you wouldn't yeah. call it a route then, would you? What about the Brentford United Man United game earlier in the season when they scored their fourth? That's a route. I think that's, that's a route. A, yeah. Maybe it's too early. It can be too early to be a route, maybe. Yeah, but I think that's. I think they fallen up at half time. They were falling up at half time. Yeah. Yeah, they were, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. It's a route. United being routed at. You don't hear the Brentford. verb too often, do you? No. Routing. Suffer routing. <laughs> yeah. People might think it's rooting. Yeah. Mm. 
difficult. But yeah, Baker, off beam once again. Um, elsewhere in Scotland, Dave, the BBC tweeted, Dundee United remain bottom of the Scottish Premiership after a grotesque Mark Birrigitti mistake gifted St Johnson victory at Tannadice. Grotesque? You don't hear that very often. A grotesque mistake. What did he do? He sort of tear his own head off. (laughs) (laughs) Ripped off his hands and then couldn't save the shot. That that is harsh. Grotesque. Um, To give you a bit of context, Charlie, he received the ball near his own goal line, dithered a bit, someone just slide-tackled him and the ball into the goal. Um, So there's an element of of violence about it, I guess, but it it was still fundamentally comical error rather than anything else. So, But I don't think that's what they're referring to. No, I think that I could only imagine the grotesqueness being so triggering for like a proper football man that it's something like that, like a goalkeeper showboating or trying to play out. It's grotesque, Andy. Grotesque, Andy. Yeah, like, that is just disgusting. Just clear your lines. (laughs) But Dave, I know football is often guilty of, of... of using sort of overblown language for fairly mundane criminal things for like instance. yeah criminal or disaster or something mm. like that but grotesque whilst not whilst being excessive it just in a weird way it's excessive it doesn't feel distasteful it's just like why would you use that word that's just weird the more I look at it the more weird it just seems <laughs> yeah well it, it speaks to some sort of spectacle sort of some sort of ugly spectacle doesn't mm. it grotesqueness yeah um, which I don't think is fitting for what a game that was at Tannadice. No. I mean, you, you you could when talking about like a run of form or something, you know, like you talk about like horrific, which again, when you actually think about it, is a bit over the top. But I think horrific, it would be okay to yeah. like they come in here on a horrific run of form. Yeah, yeah, you, you would um, use I, it sparingly I, for sure. I th- I think a more appropriate usage of the word grotesque would be if you were if you were of the mind to critique Chelsea's yes spending bang on in yeah. the transfer. Oh, I see. This is grotesque. This is a cost of living crisis out there. Yeah. This is grotesque. Yeah, turning it into a real kind of taste issue. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. But yeah, you couldn't use that for a goalkeeping error. Now, Mike Hull, 84, writes, he was watching Match of the Day, Nottingham Forest against Manchester City. And uh, Kaylor Navas um, stopping a header from Imeric Laporte. Um, Let's hear the commentary clip. In from De Bruyne. Oh, free header. What a save from Navas. How on earth did he keep that out from Laporte? Clipped in by De Bruyne, nobody picking up Laporte. His header was motoring towards goal, but Navas got something in the way and something that may well have caused him a fair bit of pain. Uh, Yeah, Mike asks, Charlie, we need an adjudication on this usage. I'm not at all comfortable that a header can motor. Um, I agree. I don't think headers can motor. What can motor? Motoring towards goal. Yeah, Um, a player. A player, yeah. Running. running yeah. but can, can the ball ever motor that was mo- and that was that was motoring no he's that was traveling yeah but but there's a lot hold on there's a lot to unpack it i thought that was uh we were going to be discussing the um sort of language around a goalkeeper being hit in the ball sort of thing oh, and right. also you because you played a longer clip there there the forest fans are singing you're just a shit something to kevin de bruyne i think they're singing you're just a shit jack colback just on the topic of you're just a shit and that is that's, to me that's peak irony, that, isn't that's it? That's textbook, that I think. Yeah, right. There's a ginger player. We've got a ginger player. We're gonna compare you to him in a in a kind of quite. Funny I'm glad way. you picked that out because I couldn't work out what they were singing. I think but um, that's what it is. Back to the issue at hand, Dave. Um, this is this is a slam dunk for us. Um, headers can't motor. The ball so- certainly can't motor. BBC commentator Mark Scott is in some trouble here. If it was going to motor, it would require more of a distance to travel as well, I think. He's headed that at the keeper from two yards away. Also, motoring doesn't even really imply it's going that quickly. It just says it's... It- sort of says it's just going so it's going from A to B it doesn't yeah. have to be going that quickly but anyway the upshot of all of this is that Mark Scott is a regular listener to the Football Clichés podcast and I gave him right of reply and unprecedented <laughs> scenes of democracy on the Football Clichés podcast I would argue that <laughs> motoring in a commentary sense is used to depict something travelling at high velocity um, for example I don't think it would be too outlandish to hear the term Carl Walker motoring forwards on the overlap I appreciate that it's not really used to describe the trajectory of the ball too often, um, but I don't think it's too ridiculous. Um, I think maybe as well there was uh, the need for a bit of elegant variation. I'd used powered, I think, certainly I'd used uh, travelling to uh, describe a ball um, 
going really quickly towards goal. But uh, I will, of course, respectfully um, <laughs> take on board whatever the adjudication panel decides on. But I would throw it back at you. Give me some other terms that you could use um, to describe that type of header from Laporte. And um, yeah, I'll wait to see what you guys come up with. <laughs> fair, fair enough slightly combative tone at the end yeah. there from Mark Scott I'll see yeah. what you guys can do then yeah. um, no fine fine um, no, fair Howard enough. would have you been come, fine you come down to sell us next week and give it a go yourself <laughs> no no I, I, I fully accept I would be shit at football commentary that's not the point here I and Mark Scott is a lovely bloke as well yeah he is a lovely bloke he is a lovely bloke and he, and he played ball with this but um, Powered would have been fine Charlie yeah, I mean, I guess, though, that's, you know, useful to have that context if you felt he'd done powered already. Can't get, I mean, it was interesting, though, the overlaps, the Weasley, because, you know, I talked about uh, a player motoring towards goal, which he said as yeah. well, the travelling yeah. thing um, that we both said. Fired. Can you, you fire can a, a header? I don't know, you could have a bullet header, but it's... He's, describe, he's describing the ball. Yeah, it's yeah the, the ball, ball is the bullet, but the act mm. of firing requires a little bit of draw, drawing back of the... Mm hammer in the gun which you don't really do with headers but you could do can you fire a header I've never really considered this no I don't think no, so I don't think so fire fire, fire a, you fire a shot and a shot is, a header isn't strictly speaking shows shot, the difficulty because without you know powered is the one there no but it's, it's wrong in at least two ways Mark Scott that's all I'm saying um, but please keep on listening to our lovely podcast Ian Irving here, host of the world's biggest Manchester United podcast, Talk of the Devils, brought to you by The Athletic, of course. It's the most exciting week of football for the club in years, with another league victory teeing up the Barcelona second leg and the League Cup final on Sunday. So make sure you join me, Andy Mitten, Laurie Whitwell and Carl Anker for this week's episodes. There's Takeover Talk in there, of course, too. Just search for Talk of the Devils on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Next, this is, this is the hot, most heartwarming story of the footballing weekend, Dave. Uh, Ollie Swift uh, of Walsall tweeted, Alan Kerbishley, of all people, found my wallet on the tube in London and sent it to Bescott. What a bloke. And uh, there's a picture of the note that Alan Kerbishley enclosed with his wallet. Dear Oliver, hope this finds you well. I found your wallet on a tube in London. Hopefully it has not caused you too much stress. Now you can get in to see your team. Best wishes. Awesome footballers. Autograph underneath. Job done. That's brilliant. What a what? A, I mean, that's classy touch. That Dave. is. That's pure class. That's superb. A handwritten note. You got the signature at the bottom there. Hmm. Did he also? Did he print his name underneath? How did he? How did he work out that that was Alan Kerr? This is the from, thing. That, I don't know. The signature. I, I don't know. Could he match um, it up on his Wikipedia page? They often have. Uh, famous people's. <laughs> but how do you know who to check? He does not have his signature on his Wikipedia oh, you mean, page. How you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's yeah. not famous enough to have his signature on his Wikipedia page. But I did Google it just to make sure it checks. But what I can't figure out is how Ollie Swift knew to check. Even that if it was he Alan Kerbishley. Was there anything? The photo, in- the photo on Alan Kerbishley's Wikipedia page, though. I'll share my screen. It does look like, and I kid you not, that he is signing an autograph. <laughs> yeah, it does look that up as well. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, 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 I've looked at this one before. It looks like he's in prison. And he's just about to be released. <laughs> that as well. In prison signing an autograph. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's look past this. Um, well, 
oddly pedantic point of how Ollie Swift found out it was Alan Kirby. Alan Kirby may have printed his name elsewhere in the notes. I mean, it, it, maybe he wrote it on the back of the envelope, like return address. <laughs> I don't or know. Maybe he's long... got a seal. In the Alan Kirby royal yeah. seal. Oh, hang on. He sent a whole wallet, let's not forget. So he probably sent it at recorded delivery, so he'll know who it came from, right? He'll know the sender. Um, I don't... Is that how it works? You don't I just don't post a wallet, do you? Mm, but would Special you, delivery. I, but I don't know if you'd want to necessarily give that information away. Delivery you know, here from a Mr. Kirbishly for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Telegram from Mr. Kirbishly. Maybe he sent it up in like a car or something. Like Sent his car up, sent his driver up. I don't know. Quite the upshot of all of this is uh, Chris... Tweeted in Charlie and says, "Which manager would you least like to see find your wallet?" <laughs> Ooh, that is a great question. How can we do this and not get the lawyers involved? Yeah, I mean, so what you mean for fear that they would like hold on to it and you'd never see it again? Daishi would be a bit annoying if he found your wallet, wouldn't he? He'd, he'd prank you and something. He'd get out all your cards and take the piss out of your picture and all of them before yeah, giving you your wallet. Driving license. Yeah, yeah, it would, t- it would yeah. take a while. You're is right. that you? Yeah. <laughs> Similarly, Richard Cordron asks Dave, doesn't Curb seem just like the most likely manager to go out of his way to return a lost wallet? I'd back Steve Cooper from the current crop. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is this based on? <laughs> Eddie know. Howe would return your wallet. Oh, no, would he? Ooh, he's... No, I think he'd get Jason Tindall to do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd get into a scrap with Jason Tindall. <laughs> Tindall would take a fiver out, I think. I don't know why. S- Steve Cooper is a great there for you. I'll return your wallet. What do I get? I think it needs to be someone who, yeah, there are like tales of their kindness in the community. And I can imagine, you know, in the long read about the team that has a good season or stays up or whatever, who's most likely to have a, and he endeared himself to locals by helping out at X event. I think Steve Cooper is right, is right up there. Good Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank would return it, meet you for a drink talk to you about tactics and just you'd have a lovely time he'd, he'd I think be my favourite good to see Alan Kirbishley making up for uh, when he vandalised that window in Quadrophenia anyway <laughs> right next up two curious examples here of um, of referees basically getting in on the act being talked about as if as if they were players and talking like they were players first up this came from Charlie Jones who was listening to Mark Clattenberg who was the latest guest on Sam Allardyce's podcast No Tippy Tappy Football <laughs> which we haven't dug into yet and I don't think we're going to anyway here's Clats talking about Pierluigi Colina the email I got off Colina after the match he made us he made us cry and I'm thinking my career's over here the email was so damning two weeks later he gives us a big match I wanted to die for him he didn't speak to us during that two weeks, yeah. but an appointment yeah. came Clever. through for a Champions League game and yeah. I ran 150%. I wanted to die for him on the pitch. Yeah, yes, and good. that performance, because yeah. he got a reaction out of us. Yeah. You know, if he didn't give us a game for five, six weeks, I would have had the hump on, but he actually gave us a game and I wanted to die for him. So that style of man management worked, but it doesn't work for everybody. Class, Charlie. All I was waiting for was brick walls there. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, my favourite thing might be... I would have booked a brick wall for him. <laughs> <laughs> I love Allardyce's interjections there. I don't, yeah. I don't, you're just going, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, correct, yeah, was my favourite. It's the Andy Gray school <laughs> yeah, of It's the, very Andy Gray. It's co, like, co-podcasting. It just, just sounds so unimpressive. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. should just talk over him like I do. <laughs> Come on, Sam, it's your podcast, mate. Dave, this is good, right? I mean, it's the sort of thing you would expect from Clats, this sort of emotive refereeing language, right? Yeah, I, although I'd, I'd, never, I'd never considered that dynamic before i'd never really considered that referees are obviously they are they are managed by yeah mike dean howard webb kalina whatever they've got someone to impress mm. i felt 10 feet tall <laughs> felt anyway. like yeah felt i could pick up on any offense next up this came from kieran lawrence who was watching bt sport on saturday this is peter walton picking apart some Villa Arsenal handbags. I think Simon Hooper is doing the right thing, as you said, just letting the players just see themselves out, self-discipline. He'll end up probably here with a, a, a caution uh, just to let the players know he's there. But other than that, I don't think it's much more. <laughs> the reducer from Simon Hooper, Charlie, just letting them know he's there. It's a good combo because he's letting the, he's also letting them, what did he say, like self-destruct, not self-destruct, but self-discipline. See themselves out. See themselves out, yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah, just see it out. Just see this little 
ruckus out. All actually quite good sort of logic, Dave. I can't, I feel like that's exactly how a referee should go about their business. Just literally let it let this pathetic yeah. piece of pushing and shoving fizzle out and then deal with it. I, that's probably what they're taught and probably quite rightly. Yeah. That is an interesting concept, though, the idea of a ref letting the players know they're there with the, I don't know. An, uh, not you can an, have an early refereeing reducer, can't you? Like an, an early yellow card that sort of lays down the law. Sort of but co-commentators get a bit, co-commentators are pretty undecided about that, aren't they, Charlie? Like, yeah. it's gone too early. I think the best thing there would be like a cut it out, he's told him one more and then he's booked. Because I think, yeah, an early booking could be like, he set himself a precedent there and he's sort of, uh, you know, could get out of hand. Whilst we're talking about matters at Villa Park, given the, the manner and the context in which Arsenal won that game, Charlie, it made me think of one of the more confident pundit lines that you hear where they say, Arsenal, you know, last season they lose that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it, was so, it was such a last season they lose that game game. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a huge fan of that just because it's so often wrong I mean as it happens Arsenal won this game narrowly last season as well Mm. 1-0 but yeah it's such a go-to used to hear that so often with Wenger's Arsenal actually yeah and Wenger's Arsenal you know who even when they were terrible in inverted commas were still coming like fourth and to come fourth, you've got to win a lot of games but whenever they'd win a a narrow away game like yeah last season they lose that maybe draw certainly aren't winning it Lovely use of the present tense <laughs> as well. They yeah. lose that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's just, just such a footbally thing to do. Right, next up. Now, Dave, bear me, Dave, bear with me on this one. This came from Michael Wheeler. I presume he wasn't watching this on an uh, overhead projector on his brick wall, but let's see. He says, I was watching an old episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And one of the questions was, in which sport do they refer to the playing area as the park? The choices were football, lacrosse, cricket or polo I instinctively said football which was ultimately the right answer but I did quickly second guess myself when I tried to think about the last time I'd heard it in a football context the contestant didn't know the audience were equally split between the answers and his phone a friend didn't know but Chris (laughs) Tarrant acted like it was obviously acted like it was really obvious and everyone should have known it was football however I'm now full of doubt about the whole park question do we say park that much for this to have been an easy question to answer? When do we say park? Dave, what do you, what's your thoughts here? When would you use the word park? Because I don't think it's, I think it's more of a Scottish thing than English, but it is used in certain contexts. I'm having a similar moment to Michael here. I can't, I can't think of a, how it would be used in context outside of a stadium name out there on the park. I remember... Well, we, we played them off the park first. Yeah. Played, played them off the, off the park, park, yeah. I remember the f- my one of my early memories of it, someone at school being told by a teacher, you're the quickest player on the park Ooh. in a sort of like, take him on. Like You're, you're the quickest player on the park. But it's it's not... I mean, I, also, it's, it's way too colloquial and not enough of a thing for that to be an objective answer and to be a millionaire yeah really weird uh, no indication of what level this was I'm guessing what I don't know 4,000 oh, you reckon I as think, far as 16 well oh, maybe, maybe not if they think it's that easy but I think that is and, and well the only reason I say 16 is if the audience were divided the audience generally are pretty good up until about certainly two or four and he was using all three lifelines on this as well. I don't think I would have chosen football. Well, I think I would have gone for lacrosse or polo. Yeah, I, th- I don't blame you. Yeah, I, th- I think it is like a little knowledge is a dangerous thing because I think you'd be like, well, I know football really well and I don't mm. think it's football. So it must be that I, it's a lacrosse, yeah, it's a sport I'm not aware of. Above all else, though, Charlie, as you've already implied, I would just be furious at the question before I yeah. even attempted to answer. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> This is rubbish. This isn't knowledge. This is just interpretation. This is actually a joke. But, um, you know, from our perspective, let's address this point. Dave, I think Park is generally interchangeable with pitch, but I do like we played them off the park. I think that is the more dominant form. We we played them off the pitch. I don't think people say that. No, Played them off the park. But other than that, I can't think of a dominant usage, certainly in England. No, unless you're saying, like, it's been a walk in the park. No. Which you could say in lacrosse, presumably, or polo or any sport. (laughs) What about, Charlie, um, this is one of uh, the examples that Michael Wheeler offers us. He says, um, plenty of space in the middle of the park. Middle of the pitch. Mm. You'd still, mix, you'd still say middle of the pitch. Just want to... Middle mm. of the park. Yeah. I, I, I like park being used for pitch. I think it's kind of cool. It, it, is, it is colloquial, like you say, but I, do, I like it. It's got a bit of character about it. But anyway, I mean, it's Michael a, it's Wheeler... A, it's a rugby thing as well as football. I know rugby's not an option there, but which suggests <laughs> it might be in other sports. Um, anyway... 
Michael Wheeler signs off, Dave. It's my contention that Tarrant is talking shit. And this was actually a sneaky hard question, even for a football fan, because it's not used enough in football to make you absolutely sure it isn't more prevalent in one of those other sports. Exactly as you said. Do you know what, Dave? This this is like a quiz machine who wants to be a millionaire question rather than the TV show one. Like a real kind of stealing your quid moment. I like the inference there that Chris Tarrant is setting the questions. <laughs> there was a lot made of that scandal, the Hornets Millionaire scandal with Major Ingram and the cough and all that. This is this needs to be investigated. There needs to be an ITV drama recreation of this this moment and how it was allowed to pass muster. Well, if you're feeling um, you know conspiracy theory minded at the moment, I asked Michael Wheeler what what series, what episode was this, so we can get the clip and decide for ourselves how it was delivered and that sort of thing. And he says he didn't know, and uh, he went back through TV listings, and there's no record of it. Like mm. he, it's, this was on Challenge TV, Charlie. All the other series have their episodes and series <laughs> numbers applied. And I, you know, as a guy who used to work in TV listings, I know my shit here. I went to several sources, and there's no. There's no indication of what episodes are. They're trying to bury it. It's been struck from the record. Though it would be odd if that's the case for them to broadcast it. (laughs) (laughs) We we have to put it out there, but we're just not going to list it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because there might be a podcast out there that's trying to dig it up, but they can't (laughs) find it. Um, It is a disgrace, Dave. I mean, that's our conclusion here. Yes. I'm glad we had a little bit of cliches debate in there in the middle there too. So fun for everybody. Right, next up, uh, I tweeted about this on... On Sunday evening, um, QPR's tweet about the departure of Neil Critchley as manager, Dave, contained a little curly Mm. arrow just to emphasise that he was departing the R's. It's too frivolous, too flippant, too playful. It's a man's job we're talking about here. (laughs) Yeah. Livelihood. And his assistants, Ian Brunskill and Mike Garrity, who sound like linesmen, Charlie, by the way. Mm, Mike Garrity is the most linesman-y coach name I've ever heard. No wonder he got sacked. Like, yeah, he's pursuing a career in linesmaning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can, I mean, what's next? Like a sort of sad face or something? Or like <laughs> yeah. a P45 emoji? Like people who tweet their condolences to people with an exclamation mark. exclamation mark. mark. <laughs> we it's do it. Extraordinary. I mean, that is a big footballery thing as well. Like, yeah. like So sorry for your loss. Yeah. All right, Awful news! <laughs> There'll be like three separate things. Like, what are you doing? It's that, true. That is an epidemic in football. Absolutely um, absurd. On a tangent from this, the BBC um, sort of background story on this had a section uh, titled Decline and Fall at Loftus Road. Rangers were top of the championship on 22nd of October, having picked up 30 points from their first 16 league games of the campaign. However, a loss of form, which began just before Michael Beale's departure for Glasgow Outfit Rangers in late November, has seen the club slip down the table. Now, Charlie, I included this because I was so disgusted about the, the phrasing of Glasgow Outfit Rangers. And then it only dawned on me that we're talking about Queen's Park Rangers. They needed to they needed to clarify. Mm. Of course they did, but Glasgow Outfit Rangers? No. No way. But you just just get rid of the outfit. Yeah, I was going to say, surely Glasgow Rangers would suffice. A lot of the purists don't like Ooh. Glasgow Rangers. I kind oh, is of, that a thing? Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's, right, quite, okay. it's, it's a very 80s, 90s thing, Glasgow Rangers, and to a lesser extent, Glasgow Celtic. But you mm. very rarely hear it now. But I think in Europe, they kind of use it a bit more, Glasgow Rangers. Uh, actual Rangers fans despise it, as I yeah. understand it. I mean, it's very easy to fall foul of traditions in, in, in the, with the old firm, as we found to our dismay in the Dublin live show when we put a picture of Ali McCoist up on the screen. Oh, yeah. yeah, the nicest man in football. And we couldn't work out yeah. why we were being booed. <laughs> Ali McCoist! Yeah, got the most safe, safe yeah. person. I mean, presumably um, there wouldn't be a ton of Rangers, Glasgow Rangers fans reading this. Yeah. press release but I guess you can't be too careful true um, also it dawned on me Charlie that you know if someone somewhere enforced a name change upon Rangers and said right I'm sorry you know it's too much confusion you've got to be called Glasgow Rangers just how dramatic an effect that is on that name it's like a completely different club name Glasgow mm. Rangers is mad yeah it's like a it's like a Sunday league team yeah it does I mean yeah. I think that same with Glasgow Celtic I can see why they why they resist it is, yeah. it's very too small right. time uncharted waters for us now Dave, as we head over to North Korea. There was a um, game at the weekend, or at some point, attended by all the top brass of the North Korean outfit. And it was the Cabinet Office versus the Ministry of Defence at the KPA Stadium Stadium in Pyongyang. I want to read you some excerpts from the match report, the official match report from this game. The game was always exciting. In the first half of the game, the player number 12 of the team of the Ministry of National Defence scored the first goal by shooting in the goal area. They need some work over there, don't they? 
<laughs> is this AI Alan Smith doing the <laughs> match report? He's been he's been commandeered for North Korean uh, football coverage. Um, straight to the point, though, isn't it, Dave? Can't, can't, no mucking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's Tight. very much their yeah. stock trade, isn't it? Presumably, Charlie, they can't give the players' names out for the Ministry of National Defence because it's a it's ve- you know, yeah. security issue. It's very 1984, um, mm. which obviously makes sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a tight word count that the uh, the reporter was given here. and he's- That's true. Yeah, you try writing a 300-word match report to the whistle. Yeah, on the on whistle. On the whistle, <laughs> the Pyongyang Times or whatever. But, um, you know, I know the tone suggests a quite sober atmosphere day, but it's not like they don't know how to have fun. During the interval, model plane operators of the Pyongyang Air Club made high-tech flight of different model aircraft to delight the spectators. Great stuff. Half-time nice. entertainment. Yeah. Better than the Sky Strikers cheerleaders of the early 90s. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd half expect them to sort of parade a ballistic missile on the pitch <laughs> at half-time or something, wouldn't you, yeah, really? But yeah. Right. Charlie, this next paragraph disappointed me somewhat. I thought I might have some, um, you know, comrades over there in this particular field. It says, in the second half, the number 22 player of the cabinet team scored a goal for an 11-metre free kick at around 55 minutes of the match. So the match got more exciting as each team got one point. Now, that is obviously an absolute car crash mm. in football leagues, but so close to being cometh the hour. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, lads, help me out. <laughs> I think if this had you come the hour for a 60th minute goal, then you might you might finally be clawing I would credibility. Def- I would have defected. Yeah. I would have gone. I think, yeah, you, you would be like, as the moment it left your foot, you'd be off. You might drop. I'm out of here. I would have been... I would have been Dennis Rodman. They would have, they would have welcomed me with open arms. Every player ran and ran with a tireless ambition for victory and showed fine scenes. Dave, this is proper North Korea language, isn't it? Kind of the struggle for the greater good, isn't it? And showed fine scenes. <laughs> yeah, good. No limbs in the crowd, unfortunately. <laughs> anyway, um, the Ministry of National Defence team won 3-1 in the match, Charlie. Then there was a tug-of-war match between staff members of the Cabinet and Ministry of National Defence. Cool stuff! Really? <laughs> what, the same players? Uh, th- other staff, I think it kind oh, of implies. Okay. Yeah. Get the big lads on. And the uh, the Ministry beat its Cabinet rival 2-0 in the tug-of-war. 2-0. Two yeah. Is it love in tug-of-war, is it? Yeah, <laughs> well, fair enough. Famously love, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, um, an interesting window into how... The North Koreans do this. Um, Charlie, any tips for them? Any tips for their sports writers? Just mix it up a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the more more elegant variation, I suppose. I mean, you mm. would be raging if you were... I mean, I suppose this goes to the territory, but if you did have your moment and you were that number 12 and you'd scored or whatever, to not be named would be would be really annoying. I quite like 11-metre free kick for penalty, Dave. Um, that's going right in there at, at least number four in my elegant variation for penalties. <laughs> oh, God. Get rid of spot kick. That's boring. Just sneak it in. Just sneak it into an athletic yeah. article next week. No one will notice. <laughs> so somebody's, uh, somebody's changed my... Nah, don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> North Koreans do it. It's all right. But anyway, speaking of infamous dictators operating over there in the Eastern Hemisphere, it's time for Keys and Grey Corner. <laughs> Sunday. That's basically the whole reason we did that yeah. s- section, isn't it? Yeah, it was. What a great segue that was, by the way. In, Adam, in one of Alan Partridge's books, he does an amazing bit like that on uh, Richard Keyes. Oh, great to be in good company. Yeah. A um, couple of clips for you from uh, from Keyes' world. Um, as his his want, he's probably publishing his blog as mm. we record, just to be a right pain in the arse. But anyway, here's, here's Keyesy on Chelsea's hopes for the top four. It kind of flips around the dynamic a little bit, this one, Charlie. This is uh, Andy Gray dismissing everything Keyesy's got to say. Um, I think that Everton have got more chance of making the top four than Chelsea. <laughs> uh, Richard, there's no chance of them making the top four. Not a cat and else With a different manager? Not even with a different manager, Jase, because they can't okay. buy any players. And who's going to score goals for them? Well, they don't need to buy any yeah, players. They've got, they've got, they've well, got, they've got the tools. Yeah, they've got good got players. They've, they've got yeah, the tools. just got a coach that doesn't... Well, who's, who's the, where's well, the goal rather, scorer? let's say, hasn't worked out how to use them. Who's going to get a goal from them? Well, you, you, you end up playing like Manchester City did last year and you share goals about around. My, my point is, yes, who? Well, you've got Fernandes in there who can score goals. <laughs> you've got no, Raheem Sterling's at the club who, who knows how to score goals and did for Manchester City. Hasn't. Kai Havertz can score no, goals. No, they can't. Big they're, goals not in getting European they're not getting top four. You, yeah, I mean, you've, you've bought players all over them. But you're assuming they're going to get a new coach, then? I'm not assuming anything. I'm asking you what your <laughs> thoughts are. <laughs> well, I don't think the chances are great. Just a, a combination there, Charlie, of sort of <laughs> pub debate. I genuinely 
sort of pub conversation level debate and also Gray fighting back a bit dismissing what Keezy's got to say good stuff good yeah. to see I mean Keezy quite progressive there to be fair you know to invoking Man City playing with, without a striker which he obviously would have hated at the time and before it yeah. proved to be a big success can you imagine when they were going into that season no striker Andy but yeah it is a funny role reversal good to see you uh, Keezy suggesting that Enzo Fernandez is the answer <laughs> yeah, that, to Chelsea's goal scoring problem. That was a slightly mm. odd one, yeah. Mm, he spent yeah. £100 million pounds on him. He's got a few goals in him, hasn't he? Instead, he's done nothing. Next up, this is uh, Keezy on Richarlison, which uh, I think was the point on Sunday afternoon where Andy Gray and Jason McAteer had simply run out of energy to react to his hot takes. Uh, Richarlison, 15 appearances for Tottenham, no league goals. Mm-hmm. That's not much of a return for £50 million, is it? Well... What did I say about Richarlison? Whatever you feel is Well, is frustrated the, the life out of me when he was at um, Everton because... When they get to the point where they just go, uh, yeah, <laughs> all right, mate, bit much. Um, yeah, I, it continues to annoy me that I know for a fact, as we, as we reach the end of this recording, Charlie, that Keezy's hitting publish mm. on his little blog and we're going to miss out on all of it. I bet it's out there. I'm not even going to check now because I don't really want to do it to myself, but it'll be out there. What are we talking about this week? What are you guessing? What are you predicting that it's going to be? A Daishi, the Everton revival. I think Mike, I don't think it'll be the main topic. I think it could I be think like Potter a... I think Potter would be top. Yeah, Potter would be top. Potter's the top item. But I think, you know, he then, without any sort of line break or any language to sort of tell you that he's changed subject, just complete non sequitur will be like, and how great is it to see Daishi doing such a good job at Everton? See, I, I was told gonna, you. I was going to say, who's going to be this week's what a great job he's doing yeah. down there? Do you think it's Daishi? Uh, I think... Cooper? Could be Cooper. And and then could be a sort of like a Nottingham. Need, it need, we need to have Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. It's, it's a proper footballing city. Who's getting this week's um, sort of really pompous, keezy wake-up call, Dave? Like, you know, putting them back in their box. Do you know what it Bright could be? Bright and Drew. <laughs> It could be Palace in like a, Oops, that you're, sleep, Palace, you're yeah. sleepwalking towards relegation. Do something now, Steve Parrish. Is he pro Moisey? What about I West Ham? I assume he's pro Moisey. He must be pro Moisey. You'd have thought so. Great football man. I was also thinking Eric Ten Hag must be close to his 10 month anniversary by now. Eric, 10 months? Ten Hag? That's a good point. Let, let's find out when he was hired. He start, well, he started the job in May, didn't he? Well, it was announced. He was announced quite early. But he was there like at the last game of last season in a sort of unofficial capacity. So if, if we're going with May, then March is his 10-month. 21st of April, I can tell you. So that's when he was, that was, when, it was, so announced. That's when he was announced. So that is... Well, that's... Today! Today. Oh my god! Today! You made it, Eric! Absolutely superb! Ten months to the day! Keezy in the mud! What an absolutely sensational moment for the Football Cliche podcast. That's that's unbelievable. Ah, superb. The the cogs turn. Somebody tell Keezy, quick. Always a great moment when we struggle with the dynamic of recording on Monday and the podcast being released on Tuesday. Good fun, isn't it? I mean, as you listen. But yeah, even absolutely. Better. Tremendous, tremendous stuff for Keys in Grey Corner. Thanks to you, David Walker. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. What an ending. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. If you made it this far, we'll be back on Thursday. Cheers. The Athletic. <laughs>